Welcome back to the Revelation On Demand podcast, a podcast interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, Justin D. Myers, and I'm joined as usual by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, buddy? Hey, brother. I'm doing great. Um, this is a beautiful Friday morning. Um, I feel like, you know, just like the weather outside, we had some we had some storms rolling our way, uh, but it's only going to get brighter from here. Yeah, we we're kind of a dreary day today. It's overcast and pretty cloudy, so I don't know. I doubt it's the same storm front that was over you guys, but uh, if it had, if we get the storms before you do, look out. There's, there's more clouds coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the clouds. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. So the first one I wanted to talk about is this Arizona audit that's going on. So in case you haven't heard yet, there is an audit on the last election going on in Arizona. And it's not just a recount of ballots. There, there is They are recounting ballots. But what they're also doing is they are going through and making sure that the counting systems were working correctly, that there was not a bunch of fake ballots that were added to the system. They're doing forensic, like, um, forensic, um, investigations on the ballots so that they can make sure that the ballots were actually cast by people who are registered voters alive. And they're not just like, say, say someone turns in a mail-in ballot and it's not folded. Well, every mail-in ballot gets folded to be sent out. So it should be folded to come back in. So if if you are counting ballots, mail-in ballots that are not folded, they're not real mail-in ballots you know what i mean yeah fresh off the printer in <laughs> how the you same feel about building. that <laughs> right next to the voting booth there's a <laughs> there's a printer for whoever you want to vote in addition to you know <laughs> yeah right mail-in ballot just uh just put an address on there or you know have someone carry yeah. it to the mailbox and then bring it back you know yeah i know there's a lot of feelings about the last election being you know illegitimate and maybe there was more than the average amount of phony stuff going on. Um, I definitely feel that way, but I'm not sure I'm ready to say that the integrity of the entire voting system is corrupt. Uh, maybe this audit will change that. I don't know how you feel about that, man, with the selection and all that. Um, I'm, I'm very down the middle about it. Um, as, as a proud American, I'm going to tell you, um, I trust and I like the the system that we have going for us. That being said, the system is not perfect. It can get just like anything. It can get corrupted or influenced or, uh, tampered with. And I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm going to say, I don't know if tampering with enough votes would have completely offset the election on an isolated level. If it were widespread, we end up finding out more about that. Um, If, if, um, you know, if anyone politically would let those places audit it properly, um, then my mind might be changed. But as far as that goes, I do, I always think that anything can be messed with. Anything uh, can be modified all that good stuff. Nowhere in this world are we going to find right. a perfect system. Or nowhere in this world are we going to find um, true integrity. We know that, even as Christians. 
So yeah. Um, that being said, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with that, and my prayers just go out to those who overtly concern themselves with this, or those who even yep. have to, you know, have to be involved with this because that's just uh, disheartening stuff to hear that, um, you know, so much of that information can be um, tapped into, and yeah, it's it's a complicated process. <laughs> yeah. And then another thing, I don't know if this is going on in your state yet, but in my state, Colorado, there's this lottery called Comeback Cash. And the governor set it up so that if you're vaccinated, you're automatically enrolled in this lottery for $1 million. So they're trying to incentivize people to get the vaccine, which I guess I can understand, but I also feel like it's it's kind of... I just, I don't know how I feel about it. You know, it feels like bribery to me. That is, uh, when we were first discussing this, um, just briefly. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, we do our homework and we do some prep for the show and, uh, we just go over the basic meaning of what each of these subjects mean. So that way we're both caught up. But with that example, with that example, uh, I think a term you used and we shared was incentivized and incentivized means yeah. that just like an incentive that you get basically with your pay at a job or an incentive meaning that you work for something and then there's an extra little thing you might get in return for that. Right. I hope that made sense. So with this yeah. incentivization, we don't have it here in Missouri. I don't think yet, but I could definitely yeah. see a place like Colorado land of the land of the free willed um maybe kind of zany minds especially in the political area in my opinion of course you still live there. <laughs> yeah um nothing against the state of colorado i used to live there i love it um and there's zany pol- politicians everywhere so but you know sometimes yeah. you kind of get those weird concepts and i feel like this is a weird concept maybe to encourage people to uh consider um you know, the herd immunity, uh, or just to pull more numbers in. I don't, you know, I, maybe it's a bit of both of that, but yeah. no, Missouri where I live is, is not doing that yet. No, sir. Yeah. No, it, it, as far as me, I don't play the lottery. So this is not like a free entry to the lottery is not going to convince me to get a vaccination. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, uh, just staying on that subject for like a split second. Justin is yeah. um, what, what do you think motivates people more than anything else? I think for the most part, people are motivated by the will to live, especially when you're talking about people who aren't in Christ. So I, I see this in my, in my family a lot, especially with the people who aren't saved yet, that they are, driven by what makes their lives easier and what would possibly prolong their life longer. That is such a great answer. I was just thinking like their quality of life over that, but you know, I mean, you know, some very tough people, I think, um, no no offense to anyone else on this planet ever. Uh, but I feel like some people aren't 100% familiar with what it truly means to, um, sustain or truly um, 
not like spiritually survive, but have to be put in a situation where they have to survive in in the more financial stable areas, uh, basically mm-hmm. people who are spoiled, etc. But um, quality of life, I always see people put over their basic needs. And I definitely was one, I was like them in this regard before I came to Christ. Now I'd say I'm motivated by getting Christ's word out there and in making sure as many people have the opportunity to know about Christ as possible. Because if they have the opportunity to know about Christ, they can most likely choose Christ and then I get to spend eternity with them. You know, it's very much... It is selfish to a point, but it's more for their benefit than mine. No, I don't. I don't feel like that. Yeah, it's more for their benefit than than yours individually. Um, I yeah. think it's a mutual shared investment, <laughs> and yeah. I don't mean to use investment loosely. I think that's um, a very selfless thing overall. Um, yeah, you can have self interest and still be selfless. As weird as that yeah. sounds. Yeah. Well, that that was like a really deep place. So that was that was a good tangent. Um, so shall we talk a little bit about what happened last episode or as I put in the notes, the episode before last episode, because those of you who joined us last episode know we had our birthday episode last episode. So we are continuing on today with our Olivet uh, study and we'll be starting in Matthew 25 here in a minute, but let's talk a little bit about what happened in Matthew 24. Oh, before we get to that, um, huh. just... Before we jump into Matthew 24, because we are doing, spoiler alert, Matthew 25 today, um, you had a guest appearance on a separate podcast, didn't you? Oh, yeah, right. I completely forgot about that with your deep question. I, I forgot. Anyways, I, I had talked about it a few episodes back, but if you're interested in hearing my guest appearance and talking about my experience with paganism and other belief systems, uh, please go check out The Christian Paranormal. It is found anywhere fine podcasts are found, sold, caught, however you decide to say that. People sell podcasts? I know. Okay, yes, yes, people do sell podcasts. There is is a group of people who monetize their podcasts in a way that you have to pay per episode. But uh, for the most part, podcasts are pretty much free. And I don't, I don't think, yeah, no, right. You've been in this for over a year. You didn't tell me this, bro. <laughs> well, you know, we don't really have the following right now to start having like a Patreon or that sort of thing. So I, I've toyed with the idea and that's why we left the ending of every episode as we are completely private venture, not funded by any sources. That's great. Uh, I, I am only open to the possibility of something like Patreon as far as funding goes. Uh, yeah. As far as overhead for this, there's not a huge amount of overhead. I mean, I got to pay for Podbean to give us all the features we need. And uh, for the most part, my equipment's holding up right now. I mean, I had a little scare a few, like a month ago. I thought my mic was going out, but it seems to have recovered from that. It could have been just a computer glitch. So. And we are also, yeah, no. we consider ourselves to be like a private ministry. So, yeah. Uh, so that's our main driving point. And our main motivation is just to be a ministry. We're not trying to profit yeah. off of this. You'll hear us say it a billion no. times a day. Um, and anyway, check out Christian Paranormal, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah. Just like Justin said, yeah. uh, I'm going to yeah. check out his episode right after this one. So I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah. I heard the title of that show and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. 
but uh. yeah, right. No. So, and, and as far as let me know, guys, listeners, if you would ever think about supporting us financially, because that would help me pull the trigger on actually setting up a Patreon and all that. And all that money would go to is, is paying that monthly fee or that yearly fee. And then advertisements that that'd be the only thing I have to spend money on for this, this podcast. Yes, sir. So anyway, why don't we jump into what happened last episode on Matthew 24. Right. So Jesus started off by talking about the destruction of the temple. As you can remember, they were walking out of Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives and the disciples were like, Jesus, look at these fine buildings. And he's like, I tell you now that not one of these will stay standing. And they're like, what? You know, this kind of a bold thing to say. And then he also talked about the end time signal of the abomination of desolation. If that rings a bell or you're really interested in that, I highly suggest you go to the last episode to hear up on that. And then he talks about his... Just hearing abomination of desolation, that means not only destruction of the temples, but, you know, it's abominable and of what the eventual is to be desolate. And uh, yeah. And it's, it's the one true sign of the end times. So, and then he talks about his second coming, which throws the disciples off because they, if you've done any studying, know that, or think that Messiah is coming this time and it is his final coming. So when they are following him saying, you are Messiah, they are, they are thinking this is the end times. This is the, the final, uh, the final appearance of God, uh, where, if you study scripture closely enough, and of course we have the lens of history where we can see that's not what's going to happen. Um, you can clearly see that much of the old Testament is talking about two different comings. And then he talks about the, he gives a parable right there at the end. And today we're going to be studying three separate parables that are much along the same lines where he was talking about the followers who grow weary waiting for the master return and then start acting abusively to other servants. And that's talking about people who are in Christ or part of the church and are not serving Christ as, as we are called to serve. So yes, anything you want to add to that summary? Well, I was going to say there's a lot of multiple perspectives about that, that we went through and it was actually two episodes ago. My bad. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we're, we're warming up this morning, folks. And, uh, no, there's multiple perspectives on what it means to be a servant. And uh, we've gone over in previous episodes, denominations, all that good stuff. So, oh, yeah. Of, of the church we, we, and if, how they reflect on that. Yeah, if there's a, con- a con- controversial topic, we like to step in it. So, yes. today we are doing Matthew 25, which is continuing on from last episode or the episode before last, but the last chapter, Jesus is still talking on the Mount of Olives. So if you'd be so kind to read us our first chunk of scripture. Yes. So, um, <laughs> we're, we're still recovering from the birthday party. Yay. So we're yeah. getting that mixed up. Anywho. Okay. So yes, the last episode, as Justin said, was on the mountain bulbs where Jesus is speaking to the disciples. Um, This is in the book of Matthew, once again. This is chapter 25. At that time, the kingdom of 
heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Excuse me. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went with him, went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut of the wedding banquet. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Yep. So right there, it is talking about the end times very much. And it's the scene of uh, bridegroom, or not bridegrooms, like a wedding party waiting on the bridegroom to show up. And apparently half of them are not very smart and don't take extra oil. And it's a long time between the time they start waiting and the time the bridegroom starts showing up. And so, as it said there, the foolish ones didn't have the oil. So I think this is very much talking about as we are vigilant, we need to prepare. We need to be ready for whenever Christ comes. That means we need to be following in his His footsteps, doing what he does as much as we can. You know, I mean, we're not perfect. We're going to fall sometimes. But just staying vigilant and in, in keeping with what scripture tells us to do is very important. And over and over again, we see scripture telling us to keep watch and we don't know the day or the hour. And I've said this, I don't know how many times on this podcast. Now uh, we make jokes about when the end time is going to be exactly. And, and we really don't know. So it's just about being vigilant as that, parable it was at the end of chapter 24 it's very much about staying vigilant staying vigilant so that you're fully prepared uh for whatever happens in your life up yeah. until that point even through that point right and then mm-hmm. all in good faith so it's good to be a very faithful person absolutely be faithful as much as you can i can't stress mm-hmm. that enough and keep that always with you uh, though the, these um, individuals, these uh, the, the the virgins who were there for the bridegroom that were not prepared, simply just put it to their wits that they were, um, how do I put this, overtly, in my mind, like almost overtly deserving or that it was going to be an easy task to get from point A to point B yeah. and didn't seek preparation or vigilance is a really good term you used right there, bro. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, this is Jesus talking through all this. So if you have a red letter Bible, you'll see that everything in this section is red. Uh, so as we know, Jesus quotes the old scripture a lot. So there's a quote in here where it says the door was closed. He is specifically referencing Isaiah 22, 22, which says in the key of the house of David, I will lay upon his shoulder and he shall open and none shall shut. He shall shut and none shall open. So this is talking very much about that, that entryway into heaven, into the other realm, into the, the throne room of God. However you want to put that, he is very much, got the key to that. So if he shuts the door on you, there is no hope. <laughs> so. Yes. And well, okay. So to add to that, Justin yep. is uh, not to sway from our audience. There is absolutely no hope. It's just one of those <laughs> things that, you know, if you're defiant enough, it's not like these people made a simple mistake and we're just like, Oh, but I wasn't paying enough attention. It was more along the lines of why accept a fair warning. Yeah, and I think this probably has a lot to do with the kind of Christians who go to church and like listen and and try and learn, but they just go, Oh, that doesn't apply to me. Uh I believe most of scripture applies to most people and there is all a way it. to make it apply to you. <laughs> yes. I, I, would so, I mean, I mean, all of it. <laughs> okay. Well, there's times where it's talking about wives. So, you know, me and me, me and you aren't really wives unless you want to force being the, the bride of Christ. Uh, but most of the time it's not talking in that context. It's usually just talking about what it's like to be a wife. And, and how to serve your husband faithfully. You're getting very direct you know? with this today. I mean, yes, all well, the scripture, every I just, word. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want anyone to take you literally and then be like, well, actually, Chris. <laughs> okay. From a, from a metaphysical standpoint, let's just okay. take a step back there. Um, everything it, with, with the way that scripture is, can and does relate to your life. Maybe not mm. by detail by detail with the with the wife. Are you a wife or not? <laughs> uh, but it'll relate to experiences in your life. Those you closely associate with yourself with. You'll see a lot of the reflection of how scripture has been passed for ages and the way that God has designed us all and how these key moments and everything that's going on in there are directly associated with everyone around us. So that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. And uh, just... Uh, follow up on that. I understand that scripture. I don't know how many times I've been reading through something in a piece of scripture that I've read before and didn't speak to me. I've come back maybe a year or so later and all of a sudden it's speaking to me, you know? So it's, I think most of all scripture does apply to our lives. It just applies to certain times in our lives when it's more or less pertinent to us. And, and those connections hopefully will be made when they need to be made. Um, the next parable is much like the parable from last episode. Uh, this is the parable of the bags of gold. Uh, this is a very common one. Most people know this parable. If you know many parables at all. So would you take that away, sir? Alrighty. We got quite the hefty session. So <laughs> again, it will be like a man going on a journey 
who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, I love that phrase. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you are not, where, where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, Oh, you wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has given will be given more. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So right off the bat... One thing I noticed is that I picked a translation that does not leave it as talents, it says bags. Um, so maybe you've heard this as the the talents, uh, the parable of the talents. Um, in, in ancient times, a talent was a chunk of wealth that was roughly equivalent to 15 years of wages. So as you can imagine, if you just do the rough math on that, depending on what you say a year's wages is that's anywhere from you know a quarter million to several million depending on your wages um so he's leaving a substantial amount of money with these these servants and he's hoping that they'll take them and and go invest them and make more with them uh and we see the the one servant is afraid he doesn't want to lose his money because as with any investment, there's a chance that you can lose stuff. So instead of, you know, 
he was so worried about the chance of failure that he let that dictate how he was going to use the talent. I can imagine that even if he had, you know, gone and invested it, you know, even slightly unwisely, maybe the master would have been more forgiving about it. But since he just did nothing with it, he hit it. He didn't even let it accrue interest. As the master said, uh, he was, he was too paralyzed by fear to do anything with it. And he let fear rule him instead of his master's wishes rule him, you know? Yes. And uh, might I add too, he was expecting even more from the master to be like, Hey, you know, as the servant, let's just put this in perspective. You wouldn't tell Jesus, this is what you have to do in order to make yourself better. Right. Yeah. If, the Lord, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are perfection. The trifecta, the Trinity, they are already exempt from that. I'm not saying this individual that is being portrayed in the parable might be a perfect master, but he's expected to be in this situation, right? There's two that are good, there's one that are bad. Okay, just go over that again. So, this bad servant not only directly disobeyed orders, yeah. But he also, and not just out of fear, too. I, I feel like that's a good word, is that it was out of fear. Uh-huh. But he did it to almost, it sounds like he almost did it to insult him in certain ways. Yeah. Like, look, you know, you don't, you don't do enough for this that's outside the realm. So you'll find it someday. But. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And just something we need to take from this is I know in this situation, it's talking strictly about money, but as far as in our lives, it's not always money. Uh, it could be you're gifted with a certain gift of talking to people or a certain gift for ministry that you get along best with kids or teenagers, or you are sensitive more to the atheist community or some other believers or, you know, there, there's different ways we are given talents and it's not always money necessarily. And I know that the, the, uh, prosperity preachers use this as a, as a, a quick investment, like, Oh, look at this. If you invest your money, it's going to double. Uh, no, that's not what this is talking about. Jesus is using this more as a teaching on, you take what God has given you and faithfully use that in whatever way God wants you to use that. And if you do that, more will be given to you. You know, this, this is the kind of way that leadership gets built up in churches is where as leaders, we kind of start seeing if someone can handle some responsibility, like, helping out at service with greeting or maybe volunteering, doing stuff. And and if we see people faithfully, and I mean, you do this with business too. If you see people faithfully handle whatever it is you've given them to do, you start giving them a little more and a little more to do. And eventually they're in leadership, they're leadership roles. So it's generally the same idea of management. Um, Well, all currency aside, um, of like you were saying, uh, one of the best ways to uh, show that you care to also 
not to, I don't know how much you expect a reward for yourself, but the best way to show that you care and to be rewarded and commended for your work is to be obviously not just a, you know, a, a sincere working person, but also showing that you have the capability of responsibility and acting responsible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we have responsibilities as, as believers, I don't don't let anyone tell you otherwise. We we're we have the the one commission: go out and make disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's that's kind of our our mission operandi, our motive operandi is that we're out. As I said at the beginning, with that deep question that you ask, what motivates people? We're here to help people know Christ. Absolutely. Shall we continue on? Yes, sir. So this is um, the third parable and last section for the day. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on a glorious throne, his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you had invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was imprisoned, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer to him, Lord, when when did you see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see a stranger, see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did you see sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to the eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Amen. So that brings us to the end of the chapter. Uh, so back in ancient times and, and still today, I guess, we don't really tend to keep uh, goats with sheep unless you have like a small farm. But goats really do need more protection because they're they're especially vulnerable to predation. I know that here in here 
in Colorado, coyotes will actually go after goats. So uh, the shepherds would typically split up the sheep and the goats at night and then keep the goats someplace where they had a little more shelter or closer to the camp or however they did that. And the sheep would typically huddle together and, and that keeps most predators from trying to, you know, take sheep. It's when a sheep is sick or off on its own that it typically gets uh, predated, but the goats, they don't herd like that. So they typically scatter. And when they scatter, that's when they get eaten very quickly. So that's, if you were curious as to why, this was even in there that that is Jesus using a analogy that would make sense to the people of the time. A lot of people at this time, you know, are very close to agriculture. They know about shepherding. They know why shepherds do what they do, even if they are not farmers or they are, you know, more into crop farming than, than animal husbandry. So he's just using an analogy that most people would understand at the time. So in the parable, the sheeps are the true followers and the goats are the false followers or the people who are not truly in Christ. And uh, we see in this parable where, you know, Christ is commending the true followers. Good job. You fed me when I was you know, hungry, gave me water when I was thirsty. And of course, they're like, wait, what are you talking about? We, this is the first time we're seeing you face to face. Like, what are you talking about? And of course, he says, well, you do the least of these you do to me. And we've heard this before from Jesus specifically, where he's talking about whatever you do. And he was talking about the children, uh, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. Uh, again, we right, see the this. brothers and the sisters. Yes. So anyone that, anyone that you're reaching out to in that regard and respect, you are, you know, congratulations. You're one of the sheep. You, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, he respects you and you've done that just, just as much respect for, your brothers and sisters, as well as the Lord. Yeah. And, and this isn't like saying you need to stop and feed every homeless person on the street. Cause I know today that especially in our area, the homeless around here who are out there, you know, panhandling, like they don't look that bad off. Like it, I think they might be getting enough money from what they're doing to live uh, maybe not comfortably, but they're definitely surviving. They don't look like some of the homeless I've seen in big cities where it's like they have been out on the street for years. Well, it's, it's not just necessarily, I mean, you do have a pretty decent point. That's a, that's a quality. It's, that's a characteristic of, you know, that's um, what, what keep a close eye on who you decide to trust. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but you know, just like anything else, I guess in that specific, subject um you do find some goats uh the yeah. false followers or the the um people who falsely represent someone for that sake yeah all the time so if you think about it um you got your followers of christ you have the people who are deserted and then you have the people who falsely represent christ uh-huh. and they bring in these people who are deserted but they themselves do not give them that same respect they would to the Lord, obviously, because they're against it. And then you get this mass culmination of, you know, false representation, false leadership. And that equally is telling the Lord that you are hurting just as many as these people. You are falsely representing my name. And that affects me personally too. Yeah. Yeah. And in, 
That's that's a good point. Uh, continuing on with talking about the least of these, if it, I'm, I'm giving money to the homeless can often feed the wrong thing. So, I mean, if they're hungry, give them some food. If they're thirsty, give them water. Like that's great stuff to do. But just giving people money, thinking you're helping them, isn't always the best idea. I mean, there's cases where money can help, but not Take care always. Of your brothers and sisters, <laughs> yes. either way. Yeah, yeah, um, and and then don't just look for the panhandlers. Don't look for the homeless people. There's also you know single parent families. There's there's blended families. There's people who are on single incomes who don't have the best jobs. There's immigrant families. There's all sorts of families in that lower strata of, you know, the economy that could use help. And sometimes just, you know, as little as cooking them a meal and taking them a meal could have a tremendous impact on that family. Okay. So you got, you got a very, um, you got a very, um, concise idea from this of it being, um, generally the people that need it the most and absolutely, mm-hmm. for for the sake of taking care of their own, mm-hmm. taking care of themselves, and absolutely, that's also a big thing in ministry um, with recovery programs, with uh, you know, with fellowship is a, is a huge way to help influence a lot of these people too. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, also those regardless of their financial background or whatever the case may be, yeah. can in some cases use just as much spiritual help as as anyone else so i wouldn't be too discouraged to ever see if you know someone that seems totally fine and they start to tell you uh really but i'm struggling on the inside this is so much work for me Uh, just maintaining this is the most stressful thing i've ever done and reach out to them spiritually is just yeah I, i mean that's my advice yeah sometimes people just need someone to talk to and uh therapy isn't cheap so, you know, having many people around you who just listen and will truly listen to what it is that's going on in your life and help you help point you back towards Christ. So, I mean, this is something you can do with your friends and family, too, is when they're going through a rough point, like be there, listen, don't interrupt them, let them, you know, get it all out and and then be like, I know you're hurting. I know this is stressful but have you considered laying this all on Christ? Because he will help us in our struggles. So Justin, you're a great, you're a great person to talk to about this. Because <laughs> you evaluate yourself. You evaluate how exactly to do that. Give great advice and how um, strategically that could very well work. Uh-huh. Uh, but also, um, you know, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, to add to some of that, don't be afraid to open up to these people, too. Maybe you can find a mutual benefit that the Lord has literally brought this person to you so that you can be able to convey with that, too. Love is always and forever going to be free. There's a lot of prerequisites to love for some people. I would say, actually, everyone. Uh, but the love of Jesus Christ and accepting the Holy Spirit in your soul mm-hmm. and um, the way that God has made you, is absolutely free. Yeah. Yeah. And as you were covering my final point there, we're, we're called to love everyone and love is a choice. You don't have to like someone to love someone, but we, we are to welcome everyone into Christ. We are to bring everyone into his love. 
it is not our job to change people. It is our job to bring people to Christ. It is Christ's job to change people. So that's where, you know, you see these churches where they're like, you're not holy enough or you're not of this denomination or you're not, you're not whatever, fill in the blank. You see people doing this and that is not what we're called to do. We're called to welcome everyone in. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. So we can do that too. We're just not supposed to be influenced by them. Our influence is supposed to be God. Uh, and then we're supposed to help facilitate that influence into these other people. We're, that's the only way you're ever going to see true change. You're not going to, you're not going to force someone to change. Only Jesus can shed light on someone and convict them enough to change. So okay. anything else I you want? Fair enough. I, I just, I'm not correcting you or anything. My huh. um, influence he does mean like spiritually negatively adapting to or inheriting something that you might have picked up from someone that you would consider to be a, a sinner yeah. or etc. We're supposed to follow in Christ's example yeah. and we're supposed to be Christ-like or for an easier way of saying it, we want to be like Jesus. Jesus calls for us to be like him. The Lord calls for us to be like him. The disciples do. Everyone does, you know, that's, it's such a, it's the best feeling you could ever have. And it's one of those natural inclinations, um, spiritually as well. I consider all nature to be part of the spirit too. Um, that can definitely cause major shifts. Um, and you know, be accepting, be honest and be truthful with people, show them what it means to be a follower of Christ, non-discriminatory, did, did the Lord discriminate against anyone that he ever wanted to help as much as, um, as, as there was even times that the disciples wanted him to f- refrain from assisting people, mm-hmm. uh, the, the sick, the broken, because it could put him in a potentially endangering situation. And he proved to them that no matter who it is, you are called to help. Yep. Wonderful. So our takeaway for today we are called to follow Christ, and in doing so, we should serve him vigilantly, as we never know when his return or our demise will come. Once we pass on from this life, we have left behind any opportunity to represent Christ here in this realm. So go forth, faithful Christian soldier, and serve Christ. Thank you for listening to the Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture, and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time.